Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian calls this movie an adventure which reaches back to Golden Age Hollywood and the Devil May Care world of Douglas Fairbanks or Tyrone Power playing Zorro or Errol Flynn playing Robin Hood. Variety Magazine calls it a postmodern fairy tale that challenges and affirms the conventions of a genre that may not be flexible enough to support such horseplay. And David Jenkins of Little White Lies asks, shall we rewind and give it another spin? As you wish. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of the Princess Bride. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. It's time for Ruined Childhoods. It's time. You know it's time for Ruined Childhoods because you decided, because it's a podcast, and you... the the controls are at your fingertips whenever you are listening to this is time for burn <laughs> childhoods dan i'm sorry that i make fun of you every time you start an episode <laughs> i really am <laughs> okay all right thank you but i'm I, not gonna stop yeah no it's okay it, um yeah it really it bothers me it's you know put me back into therapy and you know i'm drinking again you keep recording these episodes with me so it's all your fault i know i signed up for this shit all right anyway (laughs) it's on now so for anybody who's listening for the first time this is a podcast where uh the two of us uh, that's dan hi i'm dan and i'm john we're brothers uh we've been uh, in each other's uh, ears for decades talking about movies. And uh, and on this podcast, we're talking about, uh, I guess, mostly cult and classic movies and kind of discussing uh, how they could be re-envisioned or brought back into uh, into the world in, in present day in terms of uh, reboots, remakes, prequels, sequels. Um, yeah, we will get eventually get into adaptations, but we're not well, there yet. Actually, John, we, well, we we actually we are we are well, but, almost right, literally but there. We're, yeah, but we're not talking about a a book that has yet to be adapted. Correct. Yeah, that's that's we're true. not talking about that's a piece true. of IP that has never been touched. No, that's true. In fact, Inte- intellectual property IP. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not I'm, talking about my uh, bathroom habits. Your internet? Um, I was thinking internet. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking IP about IP. Address. <laughs> yeah, IP um, freely. Um, but anyway, no, but we really what we're, uh, I, I guess kind of, yeah, what started this all is just there's, you know, it's like if the internet doesn't have something to get upset about, the internet would not be the internet. And I mean, granted, it would probably be a better world, but there's no turning back. And we know that the internet is, you know, always ripe for discussion and people like to drop ideas and start rumors. And that's also where a lot of projects are announced. So there's often a lot of hubbub around, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all the message boards and everywhere else where people post your reddits. I don't know. I'm like on the AOL. Um, 
it, keyword remake <laughs> keyword ruin childhoods so um, but anyway so, it's all these things that that come up and that that always that there's a rumor that oh this is going to be remade oh are they turning this into a movie or oh they're doing a sequel to it always is preceded by the ah. Oh. and if you've uh if you've listened to our episode uh that we did on speed uh in one of our pop quiz hotshot rounds you would know that um Remakes have been happening since movies have since been made. Movies. Since movies have been happening. Yeah, so, I I mean, The Great Train Robbery was the very first. What? The Great Train Robbery, The Great Train Robbery, like, 1909. The Great Train Robbery yeah. 3. The Great Train Robbery again. Yeah, so, um, it's absolutely not a new phenomenon this has been happening since no. movies have been movies and and um, as have sequels i mean sequel maybe not as as far back as that but sequels have been around for i well, mean so so reboots have been since the godzillas have been happening prequels have been happening since uh i well smoke oh, no not smoking uh, butching no. butch and sundance the butch early and years sundance, the early days was it the early days or the Butch early years? Butch and Sundance, the early years. <laughs> um, yeah, and sequels have been. I forget. I don't remember I mean, what like the first twenties. I, I I feel it's like... been a long time. Um, so because we're recording this just a couple days before the ep- the episode comes out, I may as well talk about some things that have been happening in remake news. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Jason Bateman is in talks to direct the Clue remake. Okay. And Ryan Reynolds is also involved. Um, So that's some information. Uh, There is a live action Snow White remake in the works. Like a Disney Disney live action? Okay. I see no problems with, with doing that as a live action. Yeah. I mean, hmm. Yeah, wow, you'd be hard-pressed to find some some potential problems with that one, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, this, I mean, talk about movies that have been remade a bunch of times. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell are allegedly remaking A Christmas Carol. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just... T- I'm is just it going to be... Then, is, um, is, is this, does this have to do with, like, the Scrooge remake or... Don't know, but I. Who knows if it's going to be, you know, big major release or made for TV kind of situation or what? But or, or because it's a John. This is 2019. It could be both. I mean, look this is at true? yeah. I you could have you know a situation like Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, which opens in theaters November 1st, and then it's on Netflix November 27th. Which, yeah, so by the nuts. way, after seeing the most recent trailer, and and I'm I am a, I'm I'm a I'm a Mark, I'm a fan for for of Scorsese, and I've been waiting, I've kind of been wanting for him and Robert De Niro to work together just at least one more time, while they're both still working, and I I'm I'm excited for this. Uh, the most recent trailer dropped this week and or this past week, and it, I really enjoyed it. I got excited by seeing, you know, all Harvey Keitel and, you know, yeah. De Niro and Joe Pesci and 
it, it got me really, really excited for for mm-hmm. the Irishman. So, um, you know, I I I'll I still plan on having my Netflix subscription, but I don't know. I may if I if I have the opportunity to catch that one on the big screen, perhaps I shall. Mm-hmm. No, it, it looks pretty but good yes, to me. It I, could be a, a made for made for TV or made for streaming and box office hit. Yeah. Um, and the one other thing that I figured is worth mentioning, um, I don't know if we've talked about it, but they're remaking House Party, the kid in play classic, um, and it's being produced by LeBron James. Okay. And it's uh, written and directed by uh, Reginald Hudlin, who directed the Old Town Road music video, which I haven't seen. Uh, um, Reginald Hudlin also, I believe, directed House Party, like the original oh, House Party. Are you? For real? Yeah, I'm, how come I'm, that's not coming up in any of these articles? I I'm almost positive because Re- I I want to say it was like it got the Hudley because Reginald uh, Reggie and yeah I mean I know he's he been wrote, around a long time yeah no no he wrote and directed House Party the original House Party yeah well that's so funny that it's coming up as everything is saying that it's like oh from the old town road music video i wonder if they're really just catering things to no. people who don't know anything about house party oh my god because I, I mean i didn't know that or but i mean also like red reggie hudlin he directed boomerang and i'm like this is from memory i'm going on imdb right now <laughs> just to kind of confirm you know house party was his first big movie he did house party then boomerang he did the great white hype with sam jackson jeff goldblum uh the ladies oh, yeah ladies man with tim meadows which is oh, actually geez. i i gotta tell you i mean it's i, I never I watched it, that one i saw it once but as far as like that era of snl adaptations go I want to say the ladies' man was one of the ones I enjoyed a bit more. Well, I love let's Tim say Meadows, like superstar. He's yeah, so good. Tim Meadows is fantastic in it, but yeah. And then it looks like he, um, oh, he worked on. He did like the Bernie Mac show. Mm-hmm. He he's been doing a lot of a lot of TV, but I mean, as far as movies go, well, I know he's been around a long time. Uh, I yeah. just didn't know that he actually did the original House Party. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, Stephen Glover and Jamal Alori, uh, who write for um, Atlanta on FX, um, I guess have rewritten the script. So, okay. I I like. I I don't know. If, have you seen Atlanta? I um. It's really good. No, you know what? I started watching it and then just I don't know what happened. But kind of didn't. You had didn't a small child, it, and I mean, yeah. no, I, yeah, I, that could have been it. I don't know, but it, it I, yeah. So I didn't. Uh... Sorry, I got distracted by something that popped up on my computer screen. Shiny oh things are distracting <laughs> me. Uh, Focus. Yeah, yeah. So no, I. Um, but I've. I by all accounts, Atlanta is. Just a kind of quality show, top notch, across the board. Yeah, I mean, it it gives me some hope for a House Party remake. And, and what's interesting about remaking something like House Party is that it it is so centered around kid and play. You know, it's one of those movies that it's like the stars of it are really the biggest tentpole, and it's like it was. It was their movie. What's up? You're looking Did at me. Did you see? Have you seen House Party? The original House Party? Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Oh. 
I've always, you know what? I've always, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check in with the library. It's almost it's, never uh, streaming. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I remember coming out. I never saw that. I never saw House Party 2, the one with, the, I think that was the one with the Pajama Jammy Jam, which. Yeah, I think I saw House Party 2. Now, I can give you a distinct memory I have involving House Party 2 and involving uh-huh. me like seeing a movie in the 90s. I want to say it was 1991 when I went to the New Park Cinema in, in Roselle Park, New Jersey, to see Freddy's Dead. Okay. <laughs> which was it was like Freddy's Dead the next nightmare or something like that it was basically Nightmare on Elm Street part 6 and it was in 3D and it was I mean wow awful but uh i remember the 3d glasses or it wasn't like the whole thing was in 3d but it was like whenever you went into your nightmare like you put on the 3d glasses and i i remember the 3d glasses they were like the cardboard one the ones with like mm-hmm. the cardboard frames and i remember like the inside had like the ad for house party too because it was like oh, that's too funny New line cinema so that is too funny but uh, yeah by the way we need to give an update. Our hometown movie theater, the Cranford Theater, I uh, was being closed down and it's reopening. I heard this. So that's pretty cool. We're going to have to swing by when we're in town next yeah. weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I um, And just look at it. Yeah, I mean, see what what's what's new about it. Uh, I did get a chance to go to my new local movie theater the okay yeah the you don't uh, have to name it no it's a it's a it's actually though it's the the building it's like a historic um movie theater in the seattle area okay and it was it always reminded me of cranford because as, as you know our faithful listeners would know the cranford the cranford movie theater used to be a twin cinema and it was always kind of very exciting you know that you'd it was mm-hmm. like there were two movies there and everyone in town was going to see like one or the other one. And and then it got multiplexed. And it's what happens when a movie theater gets flipped and, and when it lands, it has a lot more. It gets suplexed and when it lands on its back, it has a lot That's more what happens. screens inside. Exactly. So it got multiplexed. And um, it just kind of reminded me of that. It was also like everybody who... It's like everybody from town. It was almost like everybody who was at that movie like walked, like was able to walk there from home. And it, it was just kind of, it had that, you know, uh, like really small town, hometown movie going experience. Oh, yeah. So uh, that was, that was kind of fun. I saw Ad Astra. A- and any anything you want to mention? I I will say it is um if you're going to see it it's worth seeing on the big screen. It is, you know, it's another impressive Brad Pitt performance. And I don't because it's it's a current release, I don't want to say much about it. I do want to say it definitely has that aspect of being, you know, it like in that introspective sci-fi genre where there's mm-hmm. obviously you're going to have your comparisons to 2001. Has he ever been to space before? Brad Has Pitt? Brad Pitt been to space before? Um, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just no, trying to think if like everybody from the Oceans movies has yet been to space. I was, I was like George George Clooney did Gravity, and yeah, uh, Matt Damon was the Martian. Um, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, Gravity. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, let's see who else has been to space from the Oceans movies. Has Casey Affleck uh, been to space? Ben Affleck has. Ben Affleck has been to space. Um, I'm trying to think, has Don Cheadle been to space? Been to the space? Been to the space? He's been, um, he's been to the space. <laughs> I feel like I, uh, I'm trying to think Armageddon. Yeah, like no, there's no, got to no. be Don, somebody from there. Don, no, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, but he's not. He's not an ocean. An oceans. No, nope, doesn't matter. Anyway, right. um, so I also wanted to send a quick apology for getting our last episode out a little bit late. I had some sort of crazy virus running through me that made me feel like Wesley after he went through that torture machine. In you the were Princess mostly Bride. dead. You were. Mo- I was mostly I, dead. But John, you don't need. Just I, I like needed, Wesley does not need to apologize for that. You don't need to apologize for being sick. The only way I could have gotten around is if Fezzik had dragged me around (laughs) and propped me into position. Um, You moved your head a little bit. I can't do Andre. Made it happen. No, John, you don't need to apologize. I need to apologize for something about our last episode. uh Uh-oh, what's that? Nah, because you know what? I gave a shout out to my buddy Ray, Ray DeJohn, and (laughs) I, I botched... I I did not correctly name his ho- the hotel. He is Ray is director of sales and marketing at the Hotel Grand Duca in Austin, and it is I have not stayed there, but I have seen many 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 pictures and promotional materials that Ray has shared, and it is a beautiful hotel. If you're going to Austin, check out the Hotel Grand Duca. Go see Ray. Tell him the enforcer Daniel, sent you. You should. You should be ashamed of yourself for making I, such a I, grave error. No, I, I I, am, I was, and I promised <laughs> a full and complete mea culpa on this episode. So, Well, we are here to talk about The Princess Bride. Yes. So uh, last week, it was, it was big news around the internet that there were uh, mutterings from the studio that they, they would... Be potentially remaking Princess Bride. Um, Carrie Always came out on Twitter saying, uh, voicing his opposition by uh, turning a Princess Bride quote around. Uh, oh, I should probably quote him directly rather than just guessing. Unless no, you yeah, this up. is worth quoting directly. No, go, yeah. Do you have it up? Uh, hold on, I'll have it up in a second. But um, the the line oh, wait, in the Princess on. Bride, I, I do have it up. I do have it up. Okay. So, well, anyway, up too. the 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 line in the Princess Bride, referring to Buttercup, um, threatening to end her own life, says that. Uh, oh my God! I don't have the. I don't know the exact quote, but it's. Uh, it's. The most perfect pair of breasts would be there's a pity a shortage, to ruin there, them. There's, there's a, a shortage, shortage of, of perfect right. breasts in this world. It would it would be a pity to ruin to ruin yours or to ruin one. Which and what he said was there's a shortage of perfect movies in the world. It would be a pity to damage this one. 
and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, uh, quite the same. Right. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, who um, is married to Christopher Guest, who played uh, Count Rugen, the six-fingered man. Uh, she does uh, say that as someone who's married, been married to the six-fingered man for over 30 years or whatever it is, uh, she also voiced her opposition. And to, that I, to, to these I say, you know, yes, it's a classic movie, but... It's not a perfect movie. No. And and remaking this movie would not ruin it. It right. It, yeah. I mean, and now the, whether or not there really needs to be a remake of it is another is another question. Like the the, the we'll purpose, get to that. like what purpose would be achieved, right? But it's not going to ruin your like the star wars prequels sucked it did not they did not ruin my love for episodes four five and six right yeah nor nor should they ruin your enjoyment of any future like you know any of the later upcoming uh, later star wars movies gus van sant remade psycho shot by shot it was not really that that great it did not it's famously a bad remake it did not at all vitiate the reputation of alfred hitchcock and his i mean psycho scarface is a remake and that that's one where you know the the remake is the popular one yeah that yeah that's true and i've never seen the uh the original i think 1931 scarface but you know that's my proving my case yeah yeah, you know it's like it's like sometimes movies are better when they're remade. Sometimes they're not, and that's okay. It doesn't change the original. Right. Um, and so, then there's the other question of whether this is a remake, a readaptation of the William Goldman right. novel. Well, and Will, William Goldman wrote the screenplay adapted from his book. So, Carry right. Out, by any, the way. Carry Out was was probably upset that this was a, a planned remake and not a sequel because a remake would mean there's no roles for him. So yeah, <laughs> although he was Unless on last season of Stranger Things, so his stock is up. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, unless he's coming back as like Miracle Max or you know somebody like some. I have trouble with character. that one. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying. I'm just. He could come back as he could another... be the six fingered man. He could be Count Rugen. He, he could be the king. He could. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. So let's right. so let let's talk a little let's talk a little bit about the original here. So Princess Bride, um, it's starring Carrie Always, Robin Wright. We got Billy Crystal in there. Mm-hmm. We have Andre the Giant. We've got Wallace Shawn. We've got um, Mandy Patinkin, Mandy Patinkin um, in a career-defining role for for a lot of people. Oh yeah, and what's funny is, and you know, you, it, depending on how big of a fan you are of Christopher Guest, you have your own idea of what a career-defining role of his is. But I just have to point out something that I never realized, and that is. The connection between Princess Bride and Waiting for Guffman. Go on. So Princess Bride co-stars Christopher Guest and Wallace Shawn. 
And in Waiting for Guffman at the end of the movie, Christopher Guest's character, Corky St. Clair, is showing off his entertainment memorabilia store. And he Uh has action figures of My Dinner with Andre. Andre. So he's got a Wallace Shawn action figure because My Dinner with Andre stars two people and one of them is Mm -hmm. Wallace Shawn. So that's very interesting. It always struck me. I was like, wait a minute. It is like, is there a, um, I'm like, did they become friendly? Like, what's the connection there? But I, I never put those to put that together and was really excited. But yeah, like you said, uh, career making roles. Part of what makes the movie special, I think, is that the, the leads were really unknowns at that point. Yeah. I mean, they're essentially children and Carrie always, you know, he had that, uh, he had that kind of swagger to him that was uh, very Errol Flynn, which was, yeah. I mean, yes, of course, he also went on to portray Robin Hood, but like that's kind of the swashbuckler. That's kind of yeah. his uh, his mo in this movie. Yeah. So and- um, yeah. So we've got this really solid cast, and we all, oh, not to mention Peter Falk and uh, Fred Savage. Fred Savage, Savage. yep. Who, yeah, um, the the movie is a, the envisionment of the the reading of the book Mm -hmm. from a a grandfather to his sick grandchild, which, uh, which was very... I don't know. It felt important to me rewatching it then as a sick person myself. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I feel this. I get this. You, I, it, I it am made a Fred lot more Savage sense. right now. I always connected because I had like every action figure that he had in like on his toy. He had like all the He-Man figures and it was right. like the special, mm-hmm. like the evil horde action figures and a, a Captain America action figure, which I, I had. So I remember seeing that and thinking like, not only w- when, when the movie opens, it's he's in bed playing this video game, which was a, a baseball video game that I had for the mm-hmm. Commodore 64. So uh-huh. like he was playing this game and yeah, I kind of connected with, with that as well. I believe this was right before wonder years. I think this might've been like a year before right. wonder years. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's uh, you know, the setup is Peter Falk, the grandfather who's come to read the story to his, this kid must be really sick because like he's a brat and yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I kept thinking, I was like, he must be, he must be pretty sick. He also thinks that his grandfather is like, you know, lying about what he reads in the book. And is, it's like, as he's watching his grandfather read the book, he's like, no, you got it wrong. Sorry. Yeah. I'm I'm already jumping into kind of the things, because honestly, like watching the movie again, I thought to myself, there's always been, every time I've watched The Princess Bride, hoping to experience the pure magic that a lot of people I know experience during this movie, I, I'm always like, what has always held me back from that? And uh-huh. I never really, I always watched the movie trying to find the magic, and now I kind of watched it trying to find what was holding me back. And that was kind of one of those things was, was like, 
like, I understand he's sick and I understand, oh, he doesn't want it. Like the whole part about like, oh, he's reading a book about kissing because he's like 10 in this or whatever. Right. So I got all that. Yeah. But like all of his, all that crap he pulls about, like, you know, yelling at his grandfather for what somebody else wrote. Like his grandfather didn't, his grandfather is neither William Goldman nor S. Morgenstern. So no, the he's fictional Peter author Falk. of the book. He's Columbo. No, he's Peter, he's Peter Falk, who was in The Player with Nick Nolte and Susan Sarandon, who were in Lorenzo's Oil. Oh. Hello. Wait. I I had one. Oh, never mind. I have... I. I'm 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 all set for our, our next episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, that's right. I well, got, moving on. I got all excited. Yeah, Mo- I'll. Yeah, don't don't worry. I'll, I'll Lorenzo Zoyo you back. Uh, you know, well, the one thing that was very distracting to me about Peter Falk is his crazy eye when he's like looking up from the book and his like one eye is still down to the book and the other eye is at Fred Savage. I'm just like, Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, right. So that's just the, the mechanism that, that the right. that Rob Reiner uses to tell the story, which I think works really well. I, it, I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it at times when it would co go from the story to them and you see the kid get more and more engaged in the book i liked it i think that there i i think there was a couple there were a couple of things that would have been i don't know like i'm i'm wondering why and i love peter falk and he's wonderful and does a great job but if then why not have peter falk as miracle max or why not have Billy Crystal in old age makeup, which Billy Crystal loves as the grandfather? I just, it would have been interesting. It would have been fun to have. And just like a little, it would have kept that continuity of, hey, this is like, this kid is imagining all this as his grandfather's reading the book. Oh, so like you're thinking that there should be elements from what we know from his life. I mean, so like it would make sense if there was an Andre the Giant action figure in his room. Yes, and yes. His his idea of what Fezzik looks Which, like. Which, by the way, in 1987, the year of Andre the Giant's historic main event match with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three in Toronto, an Andre the Giant action figure would not have been as Ficini would say inconceivable. In the bedroom of a 10-year-old. Case in point, exactly. I, I had an Andre exactly. the Giant action figure in 1987, guaranteed. You sure did. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I I like that, but I agree that it would be fun for there to be kind of those a, visual like, cues from real life. Because there's a few, like one of the He-Man action figures... Like almost looks like it could be one of the rodents of an unusual size. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's kind of like taking the elements of, of of that and yeah, and putting it into. It just would have kind of tied it together. And there's also a few sequences in the like fairy tale section of the movie that always like just felt like they were 
they felt more fake than they needed to be. Okay. What do you the, what do you mean like So the part when they're on the boat and okay. when when they're on um it's Ficini, uh Indigo and Fizzy. Mm-hmm. And they've kidnapped, uh, it's when they're doing all the, like, the rhymes and stuff like that. And they're on the boat, and, like, she jumps into the water, and it's the eels. And the eels are mm-hmm. creepy as hell. But it yeah. always, it has always felt like in that water, I have always had the feeling that, like, they're on a soundstage. They're on, like, mm. it, 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 there's just something about, I don't know if it's the lighting or just the fact that it doesn't feel like the water goes on. The water is very still. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very still. And that's, it's always, that's like, that's one of those things that's like always, I think, taken me, taken me hmm. out of it. But. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So the story that is being read, uh, The Princess Bride, uh, it starts off with Buttercup, who mm-hmm. is, you know, she has a i guess wealthy enough family who owns a farm wealthy enough to have a farm hand i, I so it, what's interesting she seems is, like a pri- she seems just like a privileged girl i never got the impression that there was a family there i always got the impression it was like she just kind of lived there and like like she just lived on this farm, but and didn't apparently need to like do anything to make money, and she just had this dude there to do everything. I mean, well, for it would all we know, more, that's what it was. It would make more sense if it if we had that like you know it, either it was it had been her parents like that there was some sort of larger estate because <laughs> all mm-hmm. we see is like the little like farmhouse. Where she's yeah. like, and she just like she wants to a pitcher. She gets a yeah, pitcher. Yeah, fetch down. me that pitcher. Fetch me that pitcher, farm boy. And I, yeah, I don't. But she does act privileged, like so that would make sense. But it never, never occurred to me that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sure she had parents, but I just, I would never thought that, like, there's no proof of them. No. Other you than would her. Think that, like, Other than her. You would think, you would think like, when Humperdinck announces that she's going to be his wife, he'd be like, oh, and these are her wonderful parents. You know, it's like, nope, it's just this person who just yeah. exists in the world. Yeah. Um, but, well, anyway, so at the beginning, she has his farmhand, uh, Wesley, uh, and at, as, after they fall in love and, and you know are starting the kissing scenes or the kissing parts of the book. That's when uh, Wesley goes off. He's he's traveling off to go work elsewhere. Or he has to go. There, There's some, uh, there, there's definitely an explanation because I was wondering that as I was, as I was watching the movie and I was like, I don't remember why exactly he leaves, but there was some purpose stated. I forget what it is. Yeah, he's just like, I need to go somewhere where there's people who can pay me to do this because yeah. <laughs> right now it's just you and you're a person and you've got nothing but a pitcher and a horse. And we only just got to first base, so I'm not feeling tied down yet. <laughs> to our knowledge. Yeah, um, that's so, true. Maybe Peter Falk skips. He's like, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm just going to flip like, past well, that Well, you didn't want the kissing scenes. I guess you didn't yeah. want the banging either. I don't know. Yeah, right. Oh, boy, you're only 10. Yeah. 
Um, so as you wish. Yeah. So then it kind of says like five years later and then, uh, Prince Humperdinck, whose, uh, father is old and very ill. He announces that he is going to be marrying a commoner and he announces that it's going to be buttercup. And, that is kind of where things really take off because then she is kidnapped by uh, the aforementioned Inigo Montoya, Vizzini, and Fezzik, led by Vizzini, uh, Wallace Shawn's character. And the plot there is that they are trying to make uh, Humperdinck, so they live in Florin, and they're trying to make Humperdinck think that Florin's uh, nemesis, um, which is Gilder, right, is 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 the ones that kidnapped her, because he wants to incite a war between the between Florin and Gilder. And by the way, in port here in Portland, we have a wonderful coffee shop named Gilder that is Princess Bride themed. So check it out. Of course. Yeah, it's a really great. It's a really great coffee shop, uh, and, and a really clever. Yeah, I don't know theme. Well, it's not Gil- like over the top. Gilder and Florens are like old uh, units of money. I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, yeah. I forget which where, where they're from, but Italian. Well, apparently Vicini is Sicilian, even though what he speaks like we'll get not, there. Not, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so he's trying to incite a war between the two nations, which is something I certainly didn't pick up on as a kid. But that's the whole plan, and he's the idea is always really to eventually kill her because he just wants to rile things up. Yeah, so I, yeah. uh, I mean, it's really bizarre his motive for all like but there's what his cons- motive is really, but, but but I mean, and um. I guess spoiler alert, you know, skip to the end. But isn't it then revealed that Humperdinck set it up? Right. Humperdinck to start a war. It's kind of like if if Bush if Bush planned 9/11 just so that he could attack Iraq. If wink George anyway. <laughs> W Bush did a lot of awful things. I can I'm okay. I'm not going to go into 9/11. No, we're not. That's no. a different episode. Um, no. When you talk about not... United 93. Just kidding. <laughs> I will say this. I, this is all we will say about United. No, but because you brought it up, I will say this about United 93. It is an incredible film. I can never, ever, ever watch it again. Mm-hmm. But like incredibly powerful movie. Anyway. That's all we are going to, to say about United Ever 93 on this say podcast. say about United 93. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, Vizzini, Inigo Montoya, and... Uh, oh, we'll, we'll talk about that unit for just a second. Yeah. Uh, so, Vizzini tells uh, Buttercup that they are uh, lost circus performers. But um, <laughs> that's just the conceit to get her attention for a few minutes while they kidnapper but mm-hmm. uh so he is just this con man criminal and uh montoya is a recovering alcoholic who um has been uh trying to seek vengeance for his father's death 
uh, at the hands of Count Rugen, the six-fingered man. Um, he doesn't know Count since, Rugen's name. He just knows his father no, was murdered six by a six-fingered man. man. Uh, when, yeah, when Inigo was just <sighs> 11 years old and uh, he was he he tried to fight the six-fingered man, but he was just a child and Rugen gave him scars on either side of his face. And uh, he's been seeking revenge ever since, which has driven him into alcoholism. And uh, the only person who can save him is Vicini, I guess. So there's that. The only person who will hire him. Yeah. The only person who will hire him. And uh, but he's keeping him sober, essentially. Somehow. And uh, I think Andre's Fezzik's keeping him sober, I think. Well, right. Well, and as we see later on in the movie, Fezzik is the one who nurses Montoya back to health after he dips back into alcoholism. But Fezzik is, uh, what's his backstory? You know, they don't, and I, I haven't read the novel, but I've heard that the novel kind of establishes that more. Wasn't he just, isn't he like just, he was unemployed in Greenland? Pretty much. Yeah. Like He's nobody would hire him. He is indeed a giant. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the three of them have kidnapped Buttercup. They're sailing in the completely still <laughs> seas and um, that are riddled with these crazy eels. And uh, they are being followed by uh, Dread Pirate. What's his name? Dread Pirate Roberts. Dread Pirate Roberts, of course. Uh, Dread Pirate Roberts, who, as we come to find out, is actually Wesley. Um, The details of how he became Dread Pirate Roberts are a little... Oh, I mean, he he spells it it. out. Yeah. He explains it, but I'm just like, that's kind of like bogus, especially because he's talking about it in terms of like why he hasn't come back for Buttercup. And it's like, you've had the opportunity. Come on, man. So I mean, yeah, I guess eventually, but but does he really have the opportunity before? He, I mean, we don't need to really dig in deep for this, but like, does he really have? I don't think he really has much opportunity. Well, he's he's not coming to get Buttercup to free her. He's essentially coming after Buttercup to chastise her for lying because she said that she would like only ever love Wesley. Oh, so when yeah, he yeah, when he finds true. her he he's like about to beat her until she <laughs> explains that she's only with him because she's forced into it. So okay. uh, seriously <laughs> that's what happens in the movie. I'm not making it up. No, I like I, he I lifts know. he I... raises her hand and says like you lied. You'd said you'd, you know, you only believed in one true love and Yeah. She's like, I don't love Humperdinck. But yeah, I, that's, I guess, yeah. That's why he's after her, is to, like, punish her. Okay. I'm not making that up. That I mean, is in I, the movie. I, I think he just wants to give her a little shit before, like, you know, they get back together. But that is not cool. That is not cool shit to give. No, I, yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't know how All things right. are done in Florin, but... <laughs> Here in the United States of America, we do yeah. things a little differently. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't do not do that. <laughs> well, anyway, so um, 
this is the part of the movie that I think this people remember most is is Wesley as the man in black, you know, coming after um, Fezzik Vizzini and yeah. Inigo Montoya, and uh, well, that sword fight with defeating Inigo Montoya, it's amazing, it's excellent. Well, yeah. also just like climbing up the that cliff, like that's really cool, and then of course that mm-hmm. leads to the the really incredible sword fight which is so fun because it's so friendly they both admire each other so much and they're just like i'm so sorry that i have to kill you i think it's like known as like the chatty that like the the chapter on the blu-ray is like the chatty duelists or something like that yeah and you know what it it it's a really fun scene to watch they're both such engaging actors and uh I mean, the sword fight itself is, I don't know, pretty remarkable. There's oh, the whole, uh, there's the whole deceit from each of them that they're uh, not actually <laughs> left-handed, which is a lot of fun. But um, I mean, and if you think about it, like they didn't, I don't, they didn't really use like stunt people. Mm-hmm. Like they did that all themselves, and that was, I mean, I think pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, so yes, so then once uh, once Wesley defeats um, Yanigo Montoya, and he you know he tells the story about his father and the six fingered man. Um, we move on mm. to Fezzik, who essentially you know just gets choked out after being you know having Wesley on his his back and throat for a, a little while. Yeah, yes, but that's also pretty chatty. Yeah. I mean, they're they're um, like it's like both Andre and uh, you know and um, Indigo are both like, you know, hey, we don't you know, we don't want to do anything. You know, it's like yeah. we're doing this because it's our job, right? And then of course there's the battle of wits between uh, Vicini <laughs> and uh, and Wesley, which the the results. And by the way, sorry if I'm spoiling things for people, but you've had plenty of time. To watch this movie yeah so yeah. essentially well Vicini dies in the battle of wits because he's poisoned uh having to choose between the two glasses of wine one of which is poisoned when in fact we learn afterwards that both glasses were poisoned and uh wesley has just built up a tolerance to the poison <laughs> which um i forget the name of the poison itself but it's supposed to be like flavorless and odorless I, I, and not not iodine but something like that it's, it's something um, like that yeah yeah and uh it's it's kind of like you have only been away not a farmhand for five years that's not a very long time and you've just been like slowly microdosing this like crazy poison that's yeah that's a little nuts it's been um, a busy yeah you know hey it's not yeah, been a busy five years, sense, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we also don't know um, what they if they consider a year to be the same thing that we consider a year to be. Maybe I, I'm a pretty year sure for this is, is little... set on Earth. <laughs> but it's also it's set in fictional nations. It's like who knows? He does. He does reference Sicily, though. Yeah, it's weird. Like there's that's true. This, they, they, well, yeah, it takes place on Earth, but. Who but knows? there's also there's this odd like combination of the fantastical and the realistic because I mean I don't know look maybe it is on a different planet where Sicilians sound like Wallace Shawn, yeah 
<laughs> that is true. Not um, letting that shit go. Yeah, or a Spaniard is actually a, a Jew from Chicago. Though, I mean, I don't know. I'm not Spanish, but surprise. Um, but he, whatever accent he is doing, if that's like an authentic um, Spanish regional accent, that's awesome. Otherwise, like he does stick to it. He, I, oh yeah, yeah he does. Uh, while Lashawn does something different, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so, and Andre's just any, Andre. It doesn't matter. Oh, he's Andre the Giant. He can do whatever he wants. Yes. Um, so, anyway, eh, I, I don't want to tell the whole plot of the movie. We've been going into it long enough. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a whole thing, but. You know, John, I, would this be the time? Because I think I, I did some, you know, I did some soul searching while I was watching it. And did you really? I, yeah, but you know what? Because I found because it's like I always felt like, man, what am I missing with this movie? That like I like it. You clearly, but... you clearly don't love this movie. Um, I I love parts of it, but it's there's other things that just they make my brain stop and say, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Um, like, okay, for instance, uh, when she has, when Buttercup has the nightmare, when right. she's announced boo, as, boo, the, yeah, boo, boo, you had true love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a little interesting that the narration, that Peter Fox narration doesn't introduce this as a dream because if this was a book like an actual book it, I don't, it would just that would just be really confusing because it's like wait a second is the king dead is he not dead because it's set up very right like realistically there's no like there's no effect it's not added just, to make it it's not only from her perspective right yeah exactly yeah. so it, it like that definitely always it that that bothered me and i i like i don't know how you also like come also in her dream that crown is huge that crown yeah. is like the size of her head yeah um but yeah that always kind of i don't know that always kind of that always kind of bothered me um also, it's like Humperbink went, went Humperbink, Humperdink when mm-hmm. when she's like, all right, so he's got Wesley locked up in the pit of despair, and the pit she doesn't of know that the pit, <laughs> the pit of despair. Mel yeah. Smith, Mel Smith, you'll never Mel- get out alive. I have no problems with Mel Smith in this movie. Oh, he's so good. He's amazing. He's so good. Um, and Carol Kane Carol is also Kane, very good. Carol Kane's that's and Billy Crystal. Billy like, Crystal's great. The performances, I I take no issue with the perform. Even yeah. while as Sean is, it doesn't bother me that much. But so like, so when Humperdinck's got Wesley locked up, and she thinks that oh he's like back on his ship, and oh if he doesn't come back, then he doesn't want me. And she's just like she keeps telling Humperdinck, she's like oh well you know I love him and like screw you and I don't want to marry you, and. He run. He makes. He gets all worked up, and mm-hmm. I know maybe this is a character thing, but to me, it just it didn't make sense that he would go like that uh, at some point from the castle to the pit of despair, like on that walk. 
would he not cool down to the point where he's like, oh, all right, well, whatever. It's not like he cares. He doesn't love her. He's planning, spoiler alert, he's planning on killing her anyway. I think that just to step into Humperdinck's mind for a bit and his emotions, I think that he's more reacting to the idea that that anybody would not want to be married to him. But he plays it so cool. Like, I, I, it's not long after that or before that where where he's just like, oh, yeah, no, too bad I'm going to have to kill her. Like, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to do. And I'm not just saying this. I'm not just looking for this. But does it seem like there's something with Humperdinck and Count Rugen? <laughs> like, is this a Sheriff of Nottingham Guy of Gisborne thing? Like, are they cousins? Or, like, what? There's just, yeah, I don't know. It kind of struck me. I was like, these two seem to have a real relationship. It definitely seems like Rugen has, I don't know, some feelings about Humperdinck that are beyond professionalism. Whatever that is, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Oh, and uh, just an interesting, and I, I, I saw this online and I can't help but sharing it. So since Christopher Guest as Count Rugen uh, has six fingers on one hand, it's, his number of fingers goes all the way to 11, just oh, like <laughs> the amp in This Is Spinal mm-hmm. Tap that his character has. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was so, so like that was one of the things that that kind of bugged me. Uh, the, the score in places, the score, and it the score sucks. Yeah. And I mean, especially like when Indigo Montoya faces Count Rugen. It's uh, it's a little too like synthy for me, and that should that's all like sounds, a really the entire thing sounds like it's done one person on a keyboard. Yeah, this is I expect better from the musical mind behind Dire Straits. <laughs> I mean, the man wrote Walk of Life. <laughs> there you go. Come on. Um, yeah, we talked about but, this in the last episode about how it should just be rescored. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a French fry Phil threw that one out there. So, oh, um, was that French fry Phil? Uh, I want to say, right. he, yeah, yeah, he definitely uh, shot us an email about that. But, yeah, but all right. So, qualms aside, though, and by the way, they definitely took a page out of Romeo and Juliet. Her whole like threatening to commit suicide, right? Re- that's when when Juliet says that she'd rather kill herself than marry Count Paris. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, no one else knows she's married to Romeo or loves Romeo except for her nurse. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, so, but it was like, it's it's such a move. And also when she thinks that Wesley's dead and she's actually about mm-hmm. to kill herself. And then he, Carrie always has his, his famous line that he still remembers. Um, oh, right. About the perfect <laughs> breasts. Like, yeah, I was just, I was like, oh, very Romeo and Juliet. Never really caught that one before but um yeah so I, I don't know john do you really see what what benefits would you see in in remaking this i don't mean like any other type of like spinning it off for sequel or whatever but in a remake mm-hmm. what what possibility and this is sony pictures that has the uh the rights because i i was like i felt like i needed to double check that because i was like well if fox had the rights to it which they probably did at some point then disney would have the rights to it and then well okay (laughs) right 
It's well, on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, remaking it. I don't I don't think that it should be remade and that's not because of any ruining anything reasons. It's just that it's you know not that great. Like it, I don't think that it's really I don't think that it's really a story that is worth revisiting. Yeah, I, I think th- that's where I, I stand. think there are as- there are aspects of it that I think are worth um I don't know, fleshing out a little bit. Uh, there are certainly things that I would want to see. I mean, the the things that I could think would be a Wesley and Buttercup TV series, kind of following up things several Buttercup years later. Buttercup loves Wesley. Well, Bob- the thing Bob-a-loo. is, Lowell. The thing is, it would give her a chance. <laughs> are you talking about? Uh, Joni Lowell Gans and, Bo- no, yeah, and Bob Lou Mandel. Uh, it would give Buttercup a chance to be less of an object mm-hmm. because in The Princess Bride, that's all she is. Yeah. She is just this pawn that's being moved around and that everyone's trying to claim ownership over. And would you also include some context as to like who exactly she is and why? She has a farm boy to help her on her little like shack. It doesn't even have doors. No, she's just a private teenager with no uh, adults around. Yeah. Um, she's just, you know, she emancipated from her parents. Um, <laughs> she's like, I'm getting vaccinated, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, As you wish. <laughs> I, I feel like if there were, if there was some sort of uh, sequel or uh, or follow up series with the two of them, like you know, doing things together, you know, well, going on little mini adventures. What if what? they both become Dread Pirate Roberts? Like, what if they they could like because as mean, you know, Dread Pirate Roberts is just a title, and that was but and then that's also like a story that I feel like could be told is because he was he's not the first Dread Pirate Roberts. The Dread Pirate no. Roberts that that got him wasn't the original dread pirate Roberts. So there's like, you could do an anthology series of like each different dread pirate Roberts, how they became yeah. the dread pirate Roberts. You could do a different season for each one. You could do a different episode for each one. Totally. You could do a different yeah. movie for each one, but yeah. Yeah. I, as far as, as far as a, yeah, I got another a, thing. Oh, 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 do you now? I would want to see a prequel about, uh, Domingo Montoya, Inigo Montoya's father, oh. who was another incredible swordsman, and I would cast an actual Spaniard, yes. Javier Bardem. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Antonio Banderas. No, I feel like he's too he's, old. He's too old? To have had like an 11-year-old uh. child, you know, at the, you know. I guess yeah, you, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, but then wouldn't Javier Bardem be too old? I think he would be older, but and I don't know how much older Antonio Banderas is than Javier Bardem, but he's like Javier Bardem is younger. Plus, Javier Bardem is awesome. So he is he is awesome. Oh, but what about Oscar Isaac? He's not from Spain. He, he is not a Spaniard. No, I want to see. I feel like representation matters, yes. and. When 
I, I know that this is something that, you know, back in the 80s wasn't considered because they're just like, Sicilian, how about, the, how about that guy, <laughs> you know, from yeah. New York? Or, you know, um, clearly they chose a giant to play a giant. So representation in the giant world, perfect. But uh, at least yeah. when it comes to nationalities, it's like we're living in a time where we have actors from all over the place and well, those those people should be represented by people from those actual countries and it's funny because i was i was trying to think of like okay if they were going to do a remake of this who would be a good vicini that would perhaps be a little more authentic and it was funny because at first i was like oh, danny devito um but was, roberto benini <laughs> well danny devito was a i guess the person they wanted to play vicini yeah. Yes, R- I we say Roberto that. Benini. I said Roberto Benini. Yeah, why not? Like, I really, I, I mean, I, I only saw him in Life Is Beautiful, but most. Oh, people and I think do. I saw Me him too. in uh, Coffee and Cigarettes, uh, the Jim Jarmusch. Oh, right. Film. Yeah, but yeah, Roberto Benini. Yeah, I, I, I always, I really liked him. So I don't know, but yeah, there's no. I, that's the, but that's the thing though is even with those inaccuracies, it's hard for me to say. Oh, like I could see them doing this in a in a different way because I there's certain characters that it's I, it's less about inaccuracies and more about representation. Well, no, yes, I agree with that, but it's just a I don't think I want to see another actor as Indigo Montoya. Right, which is as Domingo what? Montoya, no problemo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, wh- what I find interesting about th- things like prequels, where you know how the person dies and who kills them, uh, is that it, it kind of takes away th- some of the stakes because you know, like, oh well, I know this person's going to survive because let's face it, it's you know watching any prequel about. A, a character who's you know you know that they live because they end up being in you know right the yeah. original because they're um, in which is where i think the dread pirate roberts series yeah. i think because mm-hmm. you really don't know the whole history of of the dread pirate roberts is mm-hmm. and and actually i i do want to say there there were some proposed sequels and oh, apparently yeah. the um like the u.s copyright office has a few uh sequels registered um the swordmaster bride which was um registered in 1993 in 1999 there was a screenplay registered called the pirate groom which is they uh you know they're supposed to be they're both supposed to be sequels but nothing nothing ever happened (laughs) with them clearly obviously yeah so, yeah, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think you could definitely expand the world. I think if you really wanted to capitalize on the popularity of The Princess Bride, there are ways to do it without remaking the film and with without making a sequel that's kind of like a, it's just going to come off as a cash grab. Whereas mm-hmm. I think if you actually find the other stories that can be told, like what about, Fe- like tell Fezzik's, backstory it yeah. like like sadly andre andre's passed now for over 25 years yeah so it it you know it, we can accept a, a another actor 
as Fezzik and ah, there's there are a lot of other stories to be told out of this. I mean, Domingo Montoya, you could have the Domingo Montoya story take place, you know, years before he ever encounters Rugen. You could have sure. it, you well, know, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily end with his death. Right, exactly. I mean, you you could. It's just like, hey, all right, whenever it's time to end yeah. it, it's okay. Now we introduce the six-fingered man. By the way, I wanted to just take this opportunity to plug uh, a friend's graphic novel. Uh, my friend Box Brown wrote this great graphic novel about Andre the Giant. It's called Andre the Giant Life and Legend. Um, Dan, did I oh, get yes. that for you? Yeah. Um, no, you no. Um actually, no. I've I've looked at it at your at your house. Oh, and never sent it to you. Borrowed it or no, no. Oh well. Anyway, but yeah, it's I fantastic. Gotta, I gotta read. He's that, also yeah. written. He's also written um, the. Well, I don't. Graphic novels isn't right because they're they're nonfiction. But uh, so graphic nonfiction, I guess, is what you would call it. But he also wrote mm-hmm. one about the history of the game Tetris and um, the le- the delegalization of marijuana. And or cannabis, I forget exactly what the title is. Um, and he wrote one about uh, Andy Kaufman. Did I send you that one? No, I remember I hearing. I did. Maybe about I meant them. to. Yeah, it's okay. It look, I mean, there's always a, a suitcase full of things. That I'm like, oh yeah, I meant to send you this oh, like yeah, two right. years ago. <laughs> Here's a birthday card I never sent you two years ago. Well, I'm, um, I'm excited to check out my diehard year one graphic novels that you gave me. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, and you can also check out Robin Wright in the movie White Oleander with Michelle Pfeiffer, who is in The Witches of Eastwick with Susan Sarandon, <laughs> who is in Lorenzo's Oil. That's a really, that's a great thing that you can do. Good plug. Good plug. <laughs> I, I have nothing. I, I have nothing. I have nothing better. It's been really difficult trying to because i flaked i i got so excited that i thought i i I had a great six degrees of lorenzo's oil for another for the the Uh episode we were initially going to do for this episode right before the next episode yeah yeah before news broke yeah but before before news broke and before the internet went wild yeah before the internet broke over Princess Bride. And by the way, I saw John. I have to ask you: Have have you been to any weddings where someone at some point, whether the it's the officiant or someone making a speech, has done the marriage? Um, I don't think so, but it it seems like such an easy thing to witness. Well, it's this movie is one I, of the most quotable movies yeah but i want to say that that quote in that context never need be rebooted again oh no totally yeah Uh, i'm just because i'm like i've been to at least two and and that was i'm like no it's too yeah no too easy that line works great in the movie said as it is by Um, peter cook right but um yeah have fun storming the castle Perfect as is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So Princess well, Bride. I, yeah, that's what I've got for Princess Bride. Um, yeah. Oh, you know who I was thinking, though, would be a good Count Rugen in a remake? Tom Hiddleston. Wouldn't he be a good Count huh. Rugen? Yeah. 
I could see that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I didn't really think about any like recasts um, for this one because I just wasn't really thinking remake. (laughs) I was like, I was like, I wish, I, I wish you could cast a Daniel Day Lewis circa. 2000 as Humperdinck. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I was like, I, I, it was like, I would love to see Patton Oswalt as Vicini, but just to see Patton Oswalt as Vicini and not like, not well, seriously. Yeah, but yeah. Like, it would just I, I be, mean, it would kind of be the same. It, all well, due respect to Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt wouldn't make it the same. He would put no, a spin on it. I honestly don't think he would do it, though. I don't think yeah. he would take the job. Right. Um, I don't know. I guess I could see, like, for Wesley, someone like Tom Holland. A Tom Holland. I was thinking, like, a a Charlie Hunnam, but but Charlie Hunnam might be too old Too old. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, yeah, Charlie Hunnam of 10 years ago, perhaps, or... More, probably more than 10 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago. A bit like early Sons of Anarchy. Um... Yeah. Well, more like I, yeah. uh, around 2000, was it 2003 or four when he did uh, um, Undeclared? Oh, Undeclared? I, I, I think Undeclared was what, 2003? Yeah. Yeah. I keep forgetting he was on that show. Oh, yeah. He was the charming British guy. Yeah. I, that was his I, thing. I just don't associate him with comedy, probably because I watched Sons of Anarchy. So, well, why don't we talk about uh, our our next movie? Oh, you've, our next you've movie. got something. No, oh, our next movie. Yeah, no, I don't. I... Our our uh, our so our next movie, nineteen eighty eight's Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Best Director. And best actor, Dustin Hoffman, who was in Moonlight Mile with Susan Sarandon, who was in Lorenzo's Oil. <laughs> little, you got to jump you, on it. You got to jump on it. with it a little early this week. So, yeah, that's right. We're talking about Rain Man. I'm very excited. Yeah, as, as am I. It's time to revisit Rain Man and see what, what there is, what, what possibilities Rain Man has in store for us. Well, I... It's going to be a, an episode of, of two brothers talking about two brothers, and uh, and oh boy, what a treat it will be! Definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely going to be a treat. Yeah, we have to be very careful. No, I know. Well, that's part of what we're going to have to talk about. But and that is that is another story for another time. Good journey, John. Good journey, Dan. All right, the prince's bride. Hold it! Hold it! What is this? Is this a kissing book? True love, true love, true love is the greatest thing. Murdered by pirates is good. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Miracles, giants, monsters. <laughs> Freaking eels, lightning sand, rodents of unusual size, and true love, true 
every day. Always hear the song 